Well, it's good to see you here today. And uh, somebody told me this afternoon it's supposed to be like 60 degrees. I kind of believe it when I see it. We'll see. I had to clean snow off my truck yesterday, so, so we shall see. Hey, uh, I'm thrilled to see you. Just a couple things really quick. You saw that video at the beginning of the service. I want to encourage you to take uh, advantage of those cards that you see in the seats and on the tables in the back, uh, different things like that. At the same time, just a couple of things. We have a Good Friday service this uh, Friday at 7 o'clock. We would absolutely love to have you come and be a part of that, invite anybody. It's going to be a meaningful, um, very, very meaningful, deep uh, service. And we want to just encourage anybody to be here for that 7 o'clock. So uh, we look forward to seeing you then next Sunday. Regular service times, 9 and 11. But at 11 o'clock, we have Easter Jam for the kids. So if you have a kid, if you know a kid, don't just pick a kid up off the street. Make sure you have some attachment to them. But uh, bring them. It's going to be a blast next Sunday for them at the 11 o'clock service. And uh, we just look forward to celebrating with you. You have invites in your seats. Those are not for you. I am actually assuming that you're going to be here. That invite is not for you. That's for you to give to somebody else. So Let's take advantage of it and uh, expose as many people as we can to the gospel, the good news that we just sang about of Jesus Christ. Sound like a plan? I'm looking forward to, to next week. Uh, I want to read for you uh, a passage of scripture. You'll see it on the screen, Matthew uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. Once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. But Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I don't know about you, but um, <clears throat> these 40 days that we've been going through together in Lent has gone by kind of quick, for me at least. Uh, and if you've been uh, participating on Facebook, you've seen that every single day of Lent, there's been a different person in this church that has shared a devotional, use about 8 o'clock in the morning is when those, those come out. I'm so appreciative for those folks that, uh, that were willing to put their face on social media. I would have willingly done that, but I also know what it means to die from overexposure. <laughs> and after a while, I get sick of my own voice. And so I'm just so grateful for the people that were willing to, to do that. This Friday, like I said, we gather at 7 o'clock for an important Good Friday service. And while we've not reached Easter yet, um, waving palm branches, you know, and shouting Hosanna feels victorious, doesn't it? It feels victorious. Um, it should. The word Hosanna in Hebrew, originally translated, means simply save us. Save us. Hosanna. Save us. Now, those words aren't just celebratory, 
right? Jesus, save us, you're here, yay. You know, it's that Hosanna spirit. These are also desperate words. The word Hosanna is a desperate word. It's the idea that you see hope coming and you shout for it. It's the idea that you've been anticipating something. And the crowds that were on the road to Jerusalem that day, they were singing songs actually of liberation. They were singing songs of emancipation. Uh, The cries that they were crying out were made to a savior to reign and deliver them. They They were crying out for a king is what they were crying out for. The people along those roads that day are people like you and I, and you and I, when we look at this day, when we look at this passage of scripture, the challenge for us is to see ourselves along those roads. That road leading into Jerusalem as Jesus comes by. That's you and I waving our our palm branches. So as we sit here and wonder, what, what in the world does the triumphal entry have to do with you in 2022? Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you to personalize this. Let's personalize this. Put yourself in the scene. You already have a palm branch, okay? Put yourself in the scene, palm branch in hand on that parade route. There's a palpable feeling that day that something is going to change. Now, you've maybe gotten your hopes up before that something's going to be different, something's going to change. Uh, but your hopes have already always come back down. But today feels just a little bit different. Maybe, just maybe a promise of deliverance will come through this time. So you're watching Jesus ride in, surrounded by people who are oppressed. You're standing amongst a group of oppressed people. Their lives are occupied by others. Their whole being is occupied, I guess is probably the best way to say it. They needed a king. All of these people along this parade route needed a king. Spiritually, they were destitute. Uh, For too long, the church had married itself to empire. And as you stand there on the parade route along with them, you too, you struggle with the idea that there's this religious system of the day that is so willing to marry itself to the power structures of this world. And so they don't just need a king. You need a king. You're standing there on that parade route. You need a king. You need a liberator to emancipate you, to free you from the things that are binding you from what real life looks like. You need a savior to save you spiritually, to deliver you. Um, Imagine your cries joining theirs. So let me ask you, let's personalize this. What would you cry for liberation from today in your life? Where in your life do you need a king to reign over this part of your life? Today, if you were to cry out for a savior, what do you need a savior for? What do you need a savior for? Make this personal. You already hold that palm leaf in your hand. It's tempting. It really is tempting, and I don't regret anything that we're doing today. I want to make sure you understand that. But it is tempting to run to the celebration of Palm Sunday and sometimes gloss over our own realities, our own suffering, our own pain, our own need for a Savior, right? Our own need for a Savior. So ask the question today. You ask the question. What kind of a king do I need? What kind of a king do I need? So I don't know what images pop into your mind when you think of a triumphal entry, but for me... Uh, I think of ticker tape parades after World War II. Have you ever seen those old black and white 
photos. I mean, the streets are, I mean, there's so much ticker tape raining down that it looks like snow, it obscures view. And you have all of these war heroes and generals and stuff after World War II being escorted down some main thoroughfares in New York City and just the amazing processional that takes place. That's kind of what I have in mind. For some of you, oh boy, I'm gonna tread in hot water here. For some of you, I, I really struggle with this one because the Cubs beat the Brewers in their season opener, but when the Cubs, I know, stop, stop. But, but when the Cubs won the World Series, I think the processional was a little bigger than anybody in Chicago thought it was gonna be. And uh, next thing you know, the entire city pushed the pause button for a day and maybe a little bit more than a day, at least a day and a night, and, uh, and had a huge parade in honor of the Cubs. And that's, that's kind of what comes into my mind. It's the idea that somebody has won something or somebody is about to be victorious, and so they come marching in, and there's flowers and ticker tape, and there's celebrations and music and all kinds of different stuff. So processionals like that are not modern-day inventions. They've been around for a really, really long time. And so uh, what happened was in, um, hang on, my notes messed up on me here. We'll restart it here. What happened was in Rome, what they would do is they would uh, basically, uh, they would have these processionals where uh, war heroes would come back after conquests. They would uh, do all kinds of different stuff. And uh, as they were coming down the road, slaves would go down the road before them and clean the streets. And then the, the streets would be lined with all kinds of people. And they'd be lined with all kinds of people who in the end were trying to figure out, and I, sorry, I've got, I promise you, I'll figure out what to do with my notes here. Thank you. I will tell you this, in like the 10 years that I've preached from something electronic, this is actually the first time in all that time that I missed having paper notes. So here we go. The empire loved them, okay? The day of the processional, all those chariots would come down, slaves would pave the way. Then they would even actually pay people and even bring slaves along the way to put along the road so that, uh, so that basically there was always somebody cheering for the king. If you know anything about Rome's history, I mean, the whole place was built on conquest acquisition, uh, violence, all kinds of different things. Um, now, after their entry, what would happen is they would go to a place, a designated place, they would make sacrifices to the Roman gods in those moments, and uh, then the king who would come, or the emperor dressed in royal purple would come and take credit for everything, essentially, is what he would do. He would take credit for the victory. It was this big, huge processional. So the Jesus parade that was going on, that was different. The Jesus parade was different. It didn't happen in the seat of power, which is Rome. Instead, Jesus proceeded into Jerusalem, which was the seat of faith, the heart of faith. He didn't enter as a war hero, and this is really important to understand. He was traveling a road to what would appear to be actually a defeat. When Jesus hung on the cross, even among his closest associates, his disciples, it was a moment of defeat. So he was actually riding to a defeat, not a perceived victory, which illustrates just how upside down Jesus' kingdom is. 
from the kingdoms of our world, the kingdoms you and I tend to celebrate, even today, even today. Jesus' victory comes through humility. It comes through uh, passiveness, almost, but not, it's, a, it's, a, it's a working passiveness. It's not a I don't care passiveness. It's a I'm waiting for my time passiveness. That's how it happens. It doesn't happen through manipulation. It doesn't happen through anything like that. It comes in different ways. And to make things just a little bit different, Jesus doesn't ride into Jerusalem on a war animal. Victors ride in on horses. Horses are ridden into battle. Donkeys carry the supplies to the battle. Are you following me? Jesus is being delivered for a task in that moment. So what kind of a king do you need today? Do you need a king that is lifted up, that's detached from your world, who demands an allegiance, or do you need one that humbles himself, enters into your world, and gives you his allegiance? Because that's exactly what he's done. God has pledged himself to you through Jesus Christ. He has pledged himself to you through Jesus Christ. He's given you his allegiance I am for you. I am not against you. That's the God that we serve today. No matter what it is that we go through that we need a king for, that we need a liberator for, that we need a savior for, he has pledged himself to us to be that very thing for you today. He's given himself to do that. It shouldn't be surprising to us that Jesus is kind of the different kind of a king than we would normally think a king would behave. Okay, he didn't come to be served. Kings, kings are served, right? He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's a different kind of king. He's a king who understood and experienced the life that he himself was calling other people to live. He was born the way everybody else was born. He was born not to royalty. He was born in a stable, in, in kind of a backwoods, unknown place. He was welcomed by shepherds, not nobility. He frustrated religious leaders. He served and saved people, even, even, even the Gentiles, the despised Gentiles. He humanized women, which was a big deal in that culture. He pushed back against all the religious norms. Kings have subjects. Kings have servants. Our king sought out a family. That's what he did. He sought out a family to share himself with. A king who reigns in your life not by force, but by humility. He comes by invitation. He comes by invitation. That's a different king. The kind of king we need is also a liberator. So, what kind of a liberator do you need today? So, liberating is more than just, uh, and I've kind of wrestled with how to describe this. It's more than just removing somebody's chains or removing an obstacle from them. Um, liberation is a very holistic term. One really extreme example of what I would call liberation, um, you know, we, we celebrate things like uh, back in the, in the late 60s, the Civil Rights Amendment, okay? That's awesome. The fact that you can have a Civil Rights Amendment, that it's built into the framework and the DNA of our nation, that, uh, that there is no prejudice that's gonna govern our nation at all. But liberation means that everything associated with that goes away too. 
So it's one thing to sign something into law, and I think you get this, but it's another thing for decades and decades to still struggle, struggle over the impact of racism. Okay? So real liberation is total freedom, total lack of restriction, free to literally, there's nothing that holds you back anymore. It's a very holistic, all-encompassing, all-life type of liberation. And when you experience that full liberation, it causes you to worship on a Sunday morning. It causes you to share your faith with your friends. It causes you to tell everybody else about what just happened for you. Okay? It's a full-on liberation that can't be contained. So a few weeks ago, my wife and I thought it would be a very, very good idea to get a puppy. Yeah. So, uh, I know, you want, you want to see a picture? All right. Yeah, no. No. Um, that is CC. Uh, CC is extremely sweet dog when she wants to be. So, we, uh, it's been a long time since we've had a puppy in our house. We had to, we had to say goodbye to our 15 and a half year old puppy. Um, so it's been a long time. And uh, so we thought, we're going to crate train this puppy. And she's doing actually pretty good. She's not doing too bad. Accident here and there and stuff like that. But, but she's doing pretty good. But if you put that puppy in that crate, if you put her in that crate and then you leave, then you come back three hours later, four hours later, and that you don't just open it, and then she kind of stretches her way out and all that stuff. And I, you got to think about this. The puppy is like, what, four months old now? Yeah, that's young. Okay. Uh, as far as that dog is concerned, as soon as I shut that door and walked out, she probably thought, well, my life's over. What does a dog know? A dog doesn't know I'm going to come back. Have you ever thought about that? Am I just the only weird one here? That was kind of <laughs> kind of different. Okay. But she literally, she turns into a bullet, first of all. She's all over the place. She's all over me, kissing love, all kinds of different stuff. She loves you in that moment more than she's loved anything ever in her four months. And it is absolute liberation. She is free. And she thinks she's free to do pretty much anything she wants to, which we got to correct pretty quickly. But... She is absolutely liberated. Her, her whole world has changed because she's been let out of that crate. Okay. Now, there's a lot of ways that people can be liberated. All right? um, the very easy road to go down here is Jesus healed people physically. He liberated people physically. He freed them. He restored sight. He restored mobility. He restored health. He even resurrected people. Okay? So that's a, that's a massive physical uh, you know, healing. He also met basic, basic needs that are physical. He fed people, okay? Hunger, thirst. He fed the multitudes. He turned water into wine. He even helped his disciples catch fish. There's also that little thing we celebrate next week, physical resurrection. You might need, right now, a physical liberator in your life. You need some liberation physically. Maybe you're facing an illness a physical problem. And your prayer is that Jesus would free you, would liberate you from what it is that's holding you back. 
In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in physical healing. We do. We also know we're mortal. I mean, we're not going to physically live forever. So we know that there is a day appointed for all men to die. We recognize that. But we also recognize that that God can physically heal people. We also recognize in the Church of the Nazarene that one of the most dynamic ways that God does that is when you go to the doctor. Because God has given people wisdom and knowledge and expertise and giftedness to bring healing into people's lives. All of that to say, at the same time, we have, a, we, have a, we have a Savior who says, cast all of your cares upon me. And maybe today, what first and foremost is on your heart is some kind of physical liberation. And it may not be a physical healing. It may be some other form of physical need. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe right now, one of your biggest physical issues is where are you going to live next month? Shelter. We have a Savior who cares about that. And so much more. That's why we need to remember he's also a social liberator. Jesus liberated people from destructive systems. He called people to live according to a completely upside-down economy. Tax collectors, stop cheating people. Even the tax collector that follows me, Matthew, don't cheat people anymore. The wealthy need to live lives of ridiculous generosity. He called laborers to rest. He pronounced blessing upon the poor. He overturned tables in the temple to point out religious exploitation. He also calls us to do those very, very same things in the world that we live in today. Jesus was a religious liberator calling people out of legalism, breaking religious barriers by opening access to God for all, for all. By healing people on the Sabbath, he he touched the diseased, people you weren't supposed to touch because they were considered unclean. He called people out of their own systems of prejudice by giving personal attention to those that were outside of the scopes of the religious systems of the day. And in fact, even highlighted like Samaritans, despised Samaritans as examples for what it looked like to be like him. He did all of those different things. He even socialized with notorious sinners. Ultimately, he was and he is a spiritual liberator. We're going to talk about this more next Sunday. But there is one universal truth, and it is the reason that we sit here today. All of us are bound by the chains of sin, and we need to be set free. Jesus came to tell us that we could have real life, and life to the fullest, free from the guilt, free from the shame, and set free to live real life free from sin liberated to be who God truly created us to be. It may be today that the liberator you need is a spiritual one, a spiritual liberator, one who would humble himself enough to perfectly present himself as a sacrifice once for all, who would humbly ride a donkey on a road you and I ultimately are destined for, but instead he liberates us by taking our place. It's because he's the savior that we need. What kind of a savior do you need today? So there you are, you're on the the side of your road, okay, you're holding your palms, joining the crowds, Jesus, a savior, a saver, is coming down the road, and yet none of them on that day, and I think that's a pretty accurate statement, I don't think any of them, even his own disciples, 
understood that the way in that moment to be freed wasn't through power, it wasn't through control, but it was through love, it was through humility. They longed, even the disciples still struggled with the idea that they longed to claim the kingdom of the world. They may have been frustrated with the systems of the world in that day. They may have been frustrated with the religious structures of the day. And they may have felt oppression and outside of the box a little bit when it came to how things operated in the kingdom of the world today. But probably their biggest frustration is they couldn't see their place in the kingdom of the world. They had no power in that kingdom. And Jesus came to invite them to a different one. Like, this kingdom that you guys are pandering to and this kingdom that you so desperately want to see your authority exercised in is not your kingdom. If you want to be a part of the real kingdom, follow me. Follow me. Jesus wanted to give them the kingdom of heaven. One of the greatest challenges of the evangelical church in the United States today. And I would actually say one of the greatest challenges for any pastor or leader in the evangelical church in the United States today is overcoming a pretty grandiose loss of credibility in speaking to people about what a savior can actually do for them. Let me explain. Um, Weekly, and if you don't, man, God bless you, but Weekly. Now, I mean, how many pastors and church leaders and influencers in the Christian world need to fall to adultery or fall to some sexual sin or fall to some manipulation of power before there's a a world that kind of looks on from the outside and says, yeah, I don't think you believe what you say you believe. I mean, there are entire social media outlets almost dedicated to people sharing their stories of abuse, their stories of harm. There are podcasts that you can listen to episode after episode after episode of the manipulative behavior of people in church leadership who've exercised power and authority to gain for themselves a platform, to exercise some political agenda. It is, it is, it's, it is a pandemic. It, that's exactly what it is. It's a pandemic. And there are people, a a generation jumping ship, saying, you tell me that you believe in this Savior, but it ain't showing up in your life. And you're actually abusing it. In fact, this is a real challenge for pastors today. I have to stand up here understanding that that the words that I am saying right now, this is one of the reasons I'm so dedicated to (laughs) my notes is because sometimes I go off them. My words are seen through a million filters. And many of those filters are looking for something to say, see, he's just like the rest of them. And they're doing that with you too. And the unfortunate reality is for a lot of people, even in church leadership, Jesus has been literally nothing more than a mascot. A mascot. A mascot for a political agenda, for an entrepreneurial thing, for a platform to be able to pontificate, whatever it is, but mostly it's power. There's a lot of repenting that the church in the United States needs to do. We celebrate a king. We did it this morning. We celebrate a king. We celebrate a liberator. We sing praises to a savior every single Sunday. But then when the parade is over, when the hosannas cease, 
when the road actually of all of those praises leads to a cross and self-denial, what then? Well, maybe next week it won't do that again. Maybe the parade will be better next week. Or maybe if the parade's not the way we want it, where we went to this week, it'll be better at some other place. All the while, we're missing the one who humbled himself and lowly entered to give his life away on a donkey. And he gave his life away for you. He gave his life away for me. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. The real liberation that takes place isn't just freedom from this world. It's actually the joining of earth with heaven. That is when liberation takes place. And let's face it, the problems that we have in the world today don't help. <laughs> um, I've had a busy couple of weeks, um, just a lot of running around, chasing goofy stuff too, um, meeting with people, planning, preparing, doing all kinds of stuff. But busy enough that some of the focus and the attention that I had paid to what was going on in Eastern Europe had waned a bit. Um, I wasn't out of the loop completely, but it had moved to the periphery. I wasn't paying as much attention the last couple of weeks to what was going on over there. And, um, and I got a little convicted that in my busyness, I, you know, we're, right, we're doing the crisis care kits, we're doing all kinds of different things. I was a little convicted that I was not out of the loop, but not really paying as much attention as I should. So this last week, I, I took an hour. And I just, 100% of my time for that hour, I watched and I listened and I read and I paid attention to everything that was going on in Eastern Europe. I saw, you know, mothers and children being murdered. Uh, there's horrible atrocities taking place. And I made myself for an hour pay attention. And then after that hour, I realized why I had allowed it to go to my periphery. It's because what in the world am I supposed to do about it? It's frustrating. You see it all, don't you? And I don't know, if you're anything like me, I see it all and I think, I mean, I could put a crisis care kit together, but what, man, what, I know that something needs to happen. I, so, I know something needs to change. What can I do? It seems so big that actually what happens is it's too big. And, you know, that's somebody else's thing or it's easy just to deflect. Well, if they wouldn't have gotten themselves in that position, whatever. Come up with a million ways to deflect it and pretty soon you become dull to the cries of liberation. You become dull to the cries for justice and even ignore sometimes your own need for it. The crowd that welcomed Jesus on the streets with palm branches that day, most of them were the same crowd yelling crucify him less than a week later. I get worried that if I approach Jesus as the king, if I approach Jesus as the liberator, as the savior that I actually need, the cost for me is going to be high. That last song we sang has the word surrender in it multiple times. It's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to live it. Take me where I never thought I'd go, maybe, if I, if I let him be the liberator in my life that he wants to be.
Transformation can be uncomfortable, can it? Change is hard. Vulnerability, it doesn't feel safe. All the while, Jesus offers real life. Physical, emotional, spiritual liberation, and here we are with palm leaves in our hands in 2022. Next year, at the beginning of Lent, we've not done this since I've been here, but next year the plan is that we will have an Ash Wednesday service. That's the, the Wednesday where Lent kicks off, those days leading up to Easter. So we'll have an Ash Wednesday service here in this room. And uh, traditionally, if you aren't familiar, it's a service to acknowledge our need. And traditionally, ashes are imposed on the forehead in the, in the form of a cross to be a reminder of our mortality and in our need for what we've been marching through these 40 days. Now, again, traditionally, those ashes are actually obtained through the burning of palm leaves uh, used in the previous year's uh, Palm Sunday celebration. And so those palms are burnt, and the ashes are crushed, and those are the ashes that are used in next year's Ash Wednesday service. So let's personalize this. Where do you need a king in your life today? A perfect king to reign over something in your life you don't want to control anymore. Something maybe you need liberated from. So where do you need a liberator in your life today? From oppression in a relationship, a physical ailment, an attitude? Where do you need a savior today? Is there some sin in your life that through this season of Lent, the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind? A sin that Jesus died to set you free from. What I want to encourage you to do, I know a lot of times we take those palm fronds, I think that's what they are. We take those home, and you can. I, these are yours. You can do with them whatever you want. Uh, what I would ask that you do is if you take it home, uh, somehow symbolically put it in a place to remind yourself of the things that you're giving over to him today to liberate you from, to free you from, to save you from. And allow the palm branches to be a reminder of that thing. For some of you, if you're willing, uh, if you leave that in your seat, we will collect those, we'll use those uh, for next year when we have our Ash Wednesday service. I don't want you to feel obligated to do that. These are yours. You can do with them whatever you want. I'm just telling you, if you leave it behind, we'll use it uh, for that next year. But whatever you do, whatever you do, keep in mind that thing or that area of life that has kept you bound, that has kept you bound. What systems is Jesus seeking to tear down in your life today? Where are you being called to join in the work of the kingdom of God? Okay. Whose cries for salvation are you being urged to listen to more deeply? May we, as Real Life Church, Surrender fully to the saving power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right up front what my intention is next Sunday. My intention next Sunday is to ask every single person that walks through this door to give themselves to Jesus Christ. That is what I will do next Sunday. If you stumble through the doors on an Easter Sunday morning and you don't think you're going to get challenged by Jesus, I don't know what we're doing, man. I just... I, I just don't. I'm going to ask people to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ next Sunday. And here's, here's my guarantee to you. Uh, I will try not to be a dork. I'll try, I'll, try, 
I'll try to be as, as savvy as I can and as sensitive as I can, but we're here to address spiritual issues. And it begins with allowing God to examine your own heart. So today, where do you need a liberator? Where do you need a savior in your life? May we confidently cry out, Hosanna, save us. Save us with the knowledge that our cries are already heard. May we stop trying to find our salvation in anything but Jesus Christ alone. He proves us. We may truly see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Would you stand with me? Father, we glorify you today. And uh, Father, we do recognize that... Uh, that this week is a, is a week of reflection. It's a week, Father, where we allow ourselves to journey with you through a, a dark time. But in the midst of it, help us to carry into this place that liberated hope <laughs> next Sunday. That hope that can't be contained. That joy that is overflowing because we've truly been liberated that death is no more. That death has no power over us. Jesus defeated the grave. That's what we come to celebrate next week. That's awful radical. And so, Father, help us as we enter into this place this next week with songs of praise already on our lips that we might glorify you fully. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, if you see one of those kids on your way out, tell them great job this morning. Amen.